Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. If you're looking for a different answer, you're going to have to go find somebody else because I know what the answer is. The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is not a self-help book. The answer is not all other kinds of philosophies that are vain in this world that it has to offer. But the answer is Jesus Christ. And when we can be faithful to Him, when we can be courageous enough to allow Him to make the proper changes in us, then God can make the difference where man cannot. On the name of Jesus and Jesus Christ, that's when he comes in and says, Hey, I know that you're living life, but there's more than just existing on this earth. I can give you life that is abundant. I can give you life that is free. I can give you life that is wonderful and beautiful. But you have to be courageous enough to allow him to make the changes in your life. Something about just digging into the Word and just just presenting it in a way that hopefully is very helpful for us today. Psalms 31:19. If you'd like to stand one more time, then we'll let you be seated for the remainder of the lesson. Unless you just get so overwhelmed with joy you can't help but stand up, then you're welcome to, if you'd like to. <laughs> Psalms 31:19. David writes here, "Oh, how great is Thy goodness, which Thou hast laid up for them that fear Thee." word fear here it doesn't mean that you're scared like you're off in a corner you know you're scared to death of God that's not what the word fear here means it, it means a reverence uh, a respect you know when uh, when my father uh, was alive I had a great fear for him and when I say fear I don't mean that I was scared he was going to beat me or harm me but I had a great respect for him he had proven that he was a man worthy of my respect and that's what the Bible is speaking of here <clears throat> how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues blessed be the Lord for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city for I said in my haste I am cut off from before thine eyes nevertheless thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee O love the Lord all ye his saints for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer be of good courage. Everybody say good courage. David says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. Amen. You may be seated today. I just want to simply uh, teach a lesson I've entitled Courageous. Courageous. David, in the last... Uh, verse that we read he says be of good courage and he'll strengthen your heart all that hope in the Lord I guess if anybody in the Bible um, would be in the running to win the most courageous award if there was such a thing you know uh, David's name would definitely have to be in the running 
Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, I, I, there's a lot of courageous men and women in the Bible, uh, people that, that uh, risk everything to do the right thing. Uh, but David was one of those men that, that definitely would have to have his name thrown into that, that category of courageous. Um, you know, he was, after all, the young boy that uh, fought the lion and the, and the bear and the giant. And, and then he ran for his life, not because he was fearful of, of, the, of the present King Saul, but because he respected uh, the role and, and the position of that king. And so rather than fight him, he ran from him to try to save his own life. But David, uh, if there's one thing you can say about him, he was not afraid uh, of anything. He, uh, he was a man that would walk into the heat of the battle. He was a man that would lead other men. Other great warriors respected him and followed him. I think most of us um, here in this place today, especially probably uh, the men, would like to think that we have a certain amount of courage. I mean, I've been tested two or three times, and I'll maybe relate one of those stories to you, but in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if something were to happen uh, and my family were in danger, I would hope that when the police arrived that they would not find me cuddled up underneath the bed someplace, you know, shivering and, and, and shaking, you know, and wallowing in my tears and, and crying, help me please. You know, I would hope that, that I would have enough courage, you know, to stand and defend what is rightfully mine, what God has given me as a man to protect. I think that most of the men in here, you probably feel the same way. You know, it's not that you're looking for a fight. It's not that you're, uh, that you're looking to prove yourself. But should you ever be tested in our minds, I think we roll over the situations and the scenarios sometimes. What would I do if? And uh, there is a spot. I've told this story before. You can't pass it for 14 years without repeating a few stories here and there. But it fits in right, right here uh, about a, a night that, that I was tested. And it was in the middle of the night, and I had woke up, and we kept a little nightlight out in the hallway, and, uh, and I, for whatever reason, something stirred me, and I, and I woke up, and I was laying over on my right side, my wife uh, was behind me, uh, and, and I looked into the hallway, and I saw a shadow on the wall go down the hallway. We lived out in the country at this time, and I thought, what in the world is that? Who was that? It was too big for any of my children who were all small at the time. And so uh, I laid there for a few seconds frozen, you know, just did I really see that? You know, you try to go over all those scenarios in your mind like that's just me waking up out of a sleep. I didn't know. I, I, I came to the conclusion that I had to have seen something. Something was in our house and I, I had to make a decision. What was I going to do about it? Was I going to nudge my wife and say, honey, would you go check out what that was? Or was I going to be the man of the house and get up and do it myself? And, and so I very, not to disturb my wife because I didn't want her to say, what, what, what are you doing? And, and alert whoever it was or whatever it was in our house that, that I was awakened. So I got out of the bed real slowly and carefully and I went over to the closet and slid it open real easily. And I reached up and I grabbed the, the pistol that we keep for protection. I pulled the hammer back and I started going down the hallway, you know, I was sneaking out, going out the bedroom and I was walking down the hallway and, and looking to see if I could, I could see no movement. Nothing was going on that I could tell. And I thought, well, maybe 
Uh, maybe I didn't see anything. What could that have been, though? I mean, are we talking about a dark spirit in our house? Or I thought, well, I've got to check the whole house out now. I'm up. I might as well check it out. The blood is pumping. The adrenaline is flowing. The, the hammer is cocked back on the pistol. I'm, in, I'm mean in business, okay? And so I'm walking down, and, and our hallway opened up. All of our bedrooms were back this way in one bathroom, and I checked those as I went by. And all the kids were in their place. Nothing was in the bathroom. And, and I walked on down to the end of our hallway, and the rest of the house opened up. And you could see the, the dining area, the kitchen area, and the living room area. All of them were wide open there, big um, open space. And so I reached up as I had the, the pistol in my hand like this. And I reached up, and I'm not, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to find, you know, when I flip the light on. But I was ready, you know, to draw down. And I flipped that light on, and I brought the pistol down and there was my wife who had gotten up from our bed kneeling down kneeling down at the couch praying she couldn't sleep and she was kneeling down praying and she looked up at me and I'm standing there with a pistol drawn out down on her and she's wondering what in the world are you doing and then it dawned on me the whole time I didn't want to wake her, and I couldn't have wakened her because she was already awake. She wasn't even in the bed with me. That had been her shadow that had gotten up. She had scared me half to death, but I was the man of my house. I was going to protect my wife and my children, and I almost made a tragic mistake. I'm, I'm glad my dad always told me, told me, you don't pull a trigger till you know what you're shooting at. I've always told the story this way. I said, you know, I guess if I would have shot her, she'd have been ready. She was praying. <laughs> you see, courage doesn't mean that you don't have fear. Because I was, to be honest with you, I was, I was scared. I knew I had seen something. I didn't know what was in my house. I, but but here's, here's what courage does. Courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is fearing the lack of doing something about what's causing that fear. I had a greater fear of what would happen if I neglected to do anything than what would happen if I got up and responded to what I had seen. Courage is feeling fear, but continuing and choosing to act. Courage is persevering in the face of adversity. Courage is standing up for what is right, even when it's not popular to stand up for what is right. Amen. Courage is expanding your horizons and letting go of what is familiar. Courage has a way of changing a person if they will be courageous enough to allow change. Nobody likes change. Some things have taken a long time to get them in the position that they're in. And we become comfortable with the norm, whatever the norm is. The way things are is comfortable. The way things are is normal. And oftentimes my wife and I have discussed a, a, a different situation and uh, we've said, why, why do people, why does that particular person think like that? And we've come to the conclusion of a lot of times it's, it's normal to them because of the way that they were raised. They, they were not raised to, to think like the average person would think. And how can they think that that is okay, but, but that's normal to them? And so just because something feels normal to us, 
or we're comfortable with something does not necessarily mean that it's all right with God. It's uncomfortable sometimes to change, but God came so we could have not just life, which is normal, but we could have abundant life. We could have life that was full of Him and full of His grace and full of forgiveness and all these things that He provided for us. There can even be a certain comfort in a familiar state of misery. Like, well, why don't they change? Here's the solution. It's because they become comfortable in that state of misery. Not Missouri, misery. <laughs> my, uh, my grandmother, when she was uh, still alive, um, she lived with my sister for a few months until it just got to be um, more than, than any one person could handle. She needed 24-hour care. My sister did a great job of, of uh, her and her husband of taking care of our grandmother, but it came a point in time where my grandmother needed more than what they could offer. And so uh, we did the next best thing that we could think of, and we moved her over here uh, to the care center here in our own town. My, my daughter Morgan was working there. We were, were able to be in and out. We had church services there, all these different things. We, we brought her as close to us as we could get her to give her great care. But my grandmother was, um, you know, pushing 100 <clears throat> at, at the time, and she was over here, and uh, she was in this room, and, and she she hated the room she was in. I tried to talk about everything that was positive, uh, right down to the color of the walls, and you know, you're in here by yourself, and look outside your window here, Grandma, that's a beautiful tree, and every time it would bud, and I'd try to work her towards being more positive about things until, you know, it just came to the point where I, I couldn't bring anything else out, and she she talked about how much she didn't like that room, and and the day finally came when the nursing home needed that room for, uh, for two people to be in. And so they moved her to a different location. Well, it was a location right where it was nice and quiet where she was at. And, and it was even a nicer room. But guess what my grandmother uh, did not like? She did not like her new room. I want to go back to my old room, she would say. It's not like my old room. I said, Grandma, you hated that old room. <laughs> This one's so much nicer. You were constantly talking about all the noise that was down there and, and if people were coming by, you know, checking on you. And now you're down here where it's nice and quiet just the way that you like it, you know. But see, she had become comfortable in her old state of misery. She would complain about uh, the, uh, the refrigerator being where it was at. You know, it's just so far, you know, because she got to where she couldn't move around very much. And, and it's so far all the way across the room. And. Uh, to get over there and to get anything, I'd say, Grandma, we brought you all this stuff. We put it right here in the refrigerator, and we'd go back a week later, and she hadn't touched any of it. You know, and it's like, Grandma, it's right here. These are the things that you asked for. Well, it's just so hard to get over to the refrigerator. So one day while she was down having lunch, I went up there, and I moved the refrigerator all the way over to where she could get right to it. Guess what? Grandma came in. She said, who moved my refrigerator? I said, Grandma, I put it right here. All you got to do is just reach over and you can open it up. Well, I can't get the door open. Put it back where it belongs. Here we go, right back over. <laughs> putting it right back where it was in the first place. Hey, we're human beings. Sometimes we like to complain about things, but if we really stop and think about it, we have become comfortable with the, miser uh, the miserable state that we're in. 
We don't really want change. Not all the times. Thank God for people that get tired enough of the life that they're living to say, God, I can't do this anymore by myself. I need you to help me out. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not talented enough. There's nothing that I can do right here but call upon the name of Jesus. And Jesus Christ, that's when he comes in and says, hey, I know that you're living life, but there's more than just existing on this earth. I can give you life that is abundant. I can give you life that is free. I can give you life that is wonderful and beautiful. But you have to be courageous enough to allow him to make the changes in your life. You can't force abundant life down somebody's throat that doesn't want it. (laughs) Believe me, I've tried. There's been times when I have laid it right out. I've had meetings, I've sat down, I said, here's your answer. It's been a clear as a bell to me. You know why? Because it's worked for me. It's been tried and true in my life. Now, I have not always been where I'm at. I'm not a perfect man now. I, there's, there's things that I, that I still uh, deal with in my life. There's things that, that I, I want God to change. He's still transforming me. I guess the day that he makes me perfect, he'll probably just take me on out of here like he did Enoch. But, but until that time comes, if that ever comes, uh, he's going to still be working on me just as he is working on you. But here is the problem. I don't have a problem with God changing me where I need to be changed. And some folks do. I've offered the solution. I've told them the story of how God, you know, came into my life and began to change my life. And oftentimes, their story is my story. All are sinner, sinners. Yes. Now, our, our sins may be different, but we all needed a savior. We all, savior. We all find ourselves kneeling at the same cross. And so they go away, and and I give them the answer, and they go away, and I'm like, I feel great about this. I think they've got this. But they never apply the answer. They're never courageous enough to allow God to make the changes in them. And they come back maybe a few months later or six months later, and and they sit down, and they tell me the exact same story. And I have to say, "Did did you try what I told you to do? Knowing the answer is no. And when it comes back, well, no, not really. Then I stop them and I tell them, listen, you can come at me from all the different angles that you want to come to me from. If you're looking for a different answer, you're going to have to go find somebody else because I know what the answer is. The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is not a self-help book. The answer is not all other kinds of philosophies that are vain in this world that it has to offer, but the answer is Jesus Christ. And when we can be faithful to him, when we can be courageous enough to allow him to make the proper changes in us, then God can make the difference where man cannot. We get used to things being like they are. But what if how things are is not what God wants them to be for me or for you? What if he's not pleased by what is right now going on in our life? What if it would please him if some change could happen? You know, oftentimes we go back to, well, that's the way my parents were, or that's the way I was raised, or 
We, we make all these excuses why we can't change instead of just making the change. We argue ourselves right out of a blessing. We argue ourselves right out of a miracle. We excuse ourselves right out of God's abundant life that he has for us because it's hard to be courageous enough to allow God to make the changes. The woman that was, uh, the man that was uh, lame, I go back to this oftentimes because it, it, it's so clearly apparent to me, you know, that the man almost excused himself out of his own miracle. He's laying at the pool, and Jesus comes down and says, Wilt thou be made whole? And he says, I'd love to be, but there's no man here to put me in the waters when the angel troubles the waters. You know the story there? On occasion, the angel would come down and trouble the waters, and, and, and the first one into the pool would be healed of whatever the disease or infirmity was. And, and here he sat for a long, long time. And, and you know what? There's always somebody may, maybe with a, a, a lame arm that their leg's still working, so they beat him into, into the pool. Or somebody with some kind of skin disease that beats him into the pool because he can't walk. He needs help. And Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? And he said, well, I would, but I have no man to help me out. And he said, wilt thou be made whole? And that dawned on me one day that this man is about ready to excuse himself right out of his own miracle. And I asked myself, why did Jesus even ask the question? Why did he go down to the man and ask him, do you want to be made whole? Well, it's pretty obvious the man's hanging around at the pool for 30-some years that he would like to get in the pool and be made whole, or so we think. Or has he become so accustomed to his lifestyle of being carried by others that hanging around the pool has just become his way of life? But getting in the pool seems to be something that it's far away. Because, see, his, his lifestyle will now mean, if he is healed, that he's not going to get carried anymore by others. And some become so accustomed to being carried that it's a fearful thing for them to think that they're going to have to walk on their own. In the spiritual sense, the same principles apply God brings us in we're brand new there's a time for us to be carried by others there's a time for us to reach down and, and and accept the help from others there's a time where God can transform us but there comes a time in our spiritual life where we need to be able to step up and walk on our own two feet and not need the help of somebody else to encourage us, somebody else to carry us. I'm not saying that we don't need our brothers and sisters in a, in a time of need. But I'm saying people that just can't simply live for God uh, through normal everyday life and routine uh, without backsliding or falling away, without somebody just being there right there all the time. I'm telling you, God will give us a certain amount of time, but not everybody has the mentality or the courage to say, yes, I want to be healed of this. It takes courage to stand up on your own two feet. It takes courage to get up and not let somebody else carry you and go, now it's time for me to go out and find a job. Now it's time for me to go out and find my own fulfillment. Now it's time for me to take my place in society and become responsible and possibly help carry somebody else. I'm glad the story ended with the man rising to his feet picking up his old bed and saying, 
I'm going to be leaping and walking and shouting and praising God. Don't be afraid of the lifestyle change that, that God wants to bring. It may mean that you work in a different area, but let me tell you, there's something so awesome about being dependent only upon God. Amen. God will never fail you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. Amen. You're not all by yourself, but God wants us to stand up and have the courage to walk. I started out today saying I was happy to see everybody's smiling faces and feel the the buzz that, that comes uh, when I walk down uh, the uh, the stairs there from the upstairs of the meeting that we're in and just see the chatter here. There's something about that. I'll tell you what it is. It's the light that is shining inside of us from people that have been courageous enough to stand out uh, for God in a world that is full of darkness. Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify not you, but glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is our job as the church today? It's not a job of going out and bashing other religions. It's not the job of bringing condemnation on a sinner's life. Amen. It's a job of being a light that draws those that are in darkness that are sick of being in darkness towards the light. Amen. There are people in this town. There are people in your family. There are people in our city and on our jobs and in our schools that are living in darkness and not all of them have the courage to step out of that darkness. But let me tell you, there are those out there that are looking for something. They're tired of stumbling in the darkness. They're looking for something that can guide them. And you and I are the light that Jesus Christ was talking about. A light that is set up on the hill that those that are looking for a way out can be drawn to Jesus Christ. If there is no light, then darkness wins. Darkness prevails. Matter of fact, before there was light, there was only darkness. But God, in His wonderful wisdom, the very first thing He does is not create man. The very first thing He does is not create the birds and the beasts and the fowls of the air and the, the, the fish in the sea and, and it caused the dry land. No, the very first thing you find God speaking into existence, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God, the first thing out of His mouth said, let there be light and there was light. Because God knows that it takes light in order to bring order out of chaos. You don't believe you need light? Try to go home today and turn off all the lights in your house, cover up the windows until it's pitch black, and then try to do, the, then try to do your dishes, Sister Hogan. Try to do your dishes in the dark. Try to go in and straighten up the bedroom in the dark. Try to go out and work on the, on the car, Brother Jones, in, in the dark uh, with no light on. Try to do anything that you normally do on an everyday basis with no light on and see how much chaos you have in your life. We need light. 
We've got to have light in order to bring order out of chaos. And people's lives are so wrecked up and they're so messed up and we just keep stumbling on. And those that walk in light, they look at people that are in the darkness and say, why can't they figure this out? You know, but the Bible even says that, that the light shone into the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. It didn't understand the light because it takes light to, to, bring, to be shined into the darkness. Not just so people can stay where they're at but so they can be drawn toward the source of the light. Yes. God saw the light, that it was good. He divided the light from the darkness. There's a quote hangs up on the workplace where I work um, from Martin Luther King. It says, you cannot defeat darkness with more darkness. You can only defeat darkness with light. Yet this world just gets darker and darker and darker and darker. So you and I have a choice to make. As an individual, as a child of God, as a corporate body of believers that they gather together, either, either one, uh, one, as a head of your family or the mother of your children or a teenager that's trying to, to work their way uh, uh, towards God and towards the light with a family that is trying to constantly throw more darkness into their life. You know what? We have people that struggle with all these. This is the reality of the society that we live in these days. Dysfunction, chaos. Broken homes, no, no father, no mother, uh, messed up uh, relationships and different things that are going on. And yet the, the, the world just se can't seem to comprehend that there is an answer and it probably never will. That's why the light has never been more important. When darkness surrounds you, sometimes scary to... Pull out your light. Has anybody else ever pulled the covers up over your head when something scared you? Yeah, I'm much safer now underneath this one-eighth inch of a cover. Nobody will ever see me here. It's not about changing what's on the outside. It's about giving us a false sense of security. And living in this world without the light... It's just a false sense of security. I don't care what, what kind of other teachings are out there. I believe the Word of God is true, correct, accurate from the, from the beginning to the end of it. We need the light. Let me just say this. If you're hiding in, the, in a dark room and you're scared of what you might find, if you flip on the light switch, what if the reverse was, was to happen? What if instead of a, the boogeyman being there and all of a sudden you're, you just, you're scared of what you might see, what if the answer, what if the answer is laying right in front of you? What if the way of escape, what if there's a key that's laying right in front of, of where you're standing that you'll never find unless you turn on the light. And you can take that key and you can unlock that door and you can walk out of that room full of darkness. 
and see the beauty that God has created. I've been around some folks that, that have battled depression uh, in their life. And, and that's a real thing. I'm not making light of it at all. But one of the things that I've noticed about people that are very, very depressed is that they, they make everything dark. They leave their shades drawn. They, they darken everything down. They don't, don't want any light coming in. Every, and the first thing that I do with people like that if they allow me to, and I don't just go in and just, but the very first thing I do is like, let's go over here and open these shades up a little bit. And I kid you not, by the time I leave most of the time, when I'm dealing with somebody that's like that, they say, oh, it feels so good to, to have those, those shades open. It feels so good to let that, that light, there's something about light that, that brings hope into a place of darkness. But it takes courage. It takes courage. It doesn't take much light. Just a small flame can light up a, a dark place that's never seen light. John 1 5 said, And the light shineth in the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. I just, I just wanted to speak to us. Um, on an individual basis right now. I want everybody to hear this like it's you and I having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Sometimes you don't realize what you have and you think, my relationship with God is not what it should be or, you know, I've failed and I've fallen. You, you beat yourself up really bad and you think, I don't have much to offer. God is all about making, giving, us, giving us examples of what He can do with just a little bit. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, well, mustard seed, you don't have to have a wheelbarrow to carry a mustard seed around. It's very small. There's a story of a little widow who put a mite into the offering plate, and yet God said she's given more than anybody. There's a little boy with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread that fed a multitude. You see, the story is like this. When you don't have much to give, give what you do have to give into the hands of God and watch how He'll multiply it over and over and over again. And every single time, the need will be met not by what you have to offer, but by what you've given to God and He has multiplied. I'm just one person. What difference can I make? I think I'll just sit over here, keep my light to myself. But I'm here to tell you a little courageous light can go a long way in a dark place. Winston Churchill, 1940, Britain standing alone against Nazi Germany. There was a great segment of the British people that wanted to seek a deal with Hitler. Churchill said, no, we'll, we're going to fight on. We, we, you can't make a deal with the devil and come out 
on the winning side. When others were against him and he stood alone, he said, no, we're going to fight on. We are not going to make a deal with darkness. And he inspired his country and not just his country, but a lot of the rest of the world through our darkest hour. An unknown rebel in 1989, a little closer to home, Tiananmen Square, faced off with tanks of the People's Liberation Army. Stuart Franklin, a photographer, was there, snapped a photograph of this lone unknown person taking on the tanks. That standoff went on to be one of Life Magazine's 100 photos that changed the world. Time listed the obscure and unknown rebel as one of the 100 most influential people of the 20th century. I'm standing alone. The odds are overwhelming. What difference can I make? You'll never know if you're not courageous enough to stand on your own. Some of you stand against family. Some of you stand against criticism from outside sources. Some of you, your greatest critic is yourself. And you beat yourself up left and right. Be courageous enough today to be willing to stand for what is right and what is true. Because Jesus Christ hung all by himself on that cross. Surrounded by two thieves, but he was the one that could make the difference. Did he want in his flesh to be crucified? No. He prayed, Father, if this cup can, if we can get around this some other way, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's my prayer today for my life. I hope it becomes your prayer or is your prayer today. God, whatever your will is for me, whatever you want me to do, whenever you want me to say it, whenever you want me to be at a particular place, God, when I don't feel like being faithful, when I feel like giving up, when I feel insignificant, remind me, God, that a little courage goes a long way. Would you stand with me today? Don't be fearful of what the future holds. You have no reason to be fearful if you're serving God. Don't be fearful of what others' opinions are of you. The world will not comprehend you're living a righteous, holy, godly life. It never will because they walk in darkness and they can't comprehend. They can't understand the light until they're drawn out of their darkness into the marvelous light. Don't fear failure. They're all natural things. But the difference between somebody being fearful and somebody being courageous is if you are willing to face your fear. Don't be afraid to let God do the work in you.
mighty, mighty work. And can you imagine if he uses you as an individual and you as an individual and you as an individual and me as an individual and he combines us? Can you believe collectively what we could, the difference we can make and are making? This city can't hold this, this church down, folks. Not as long as we remain courageous. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.